please come with me to Mark chapter 1, verses 4 to 11, and then Acts 19, 1 to 7. So Mark chapter 1, verses 4. And so John came, baptising in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being opened and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love, and, who, and you and with whom I am well pleased. So that's a pretty powerful scripture. There we see the Trinity all in one. And then come with me to Acts 19, 1 to 7. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptised into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So I'm certainly looking forward to the message from David this morning on those two scriptures. Hey, there's also... What would we do without our technical people who know where the switch is, eh? A few weeks ago, and I think a couple of times since, Jonathan has shared with us how he was becoming even more taut, trim and terrific. 
how much his upper body strength was increasing. He even invited us to uh, touch and feel his newfound muscles. I did not. <laughs> did so. <laughs> but in amongst all our chuckles, did you notice that that day that Jonathan also outlined to us the work the exercise program which he'd undertaken under the direction of his army fitness instructor friend who had uh, in various ways held him accountable. The thrust of Jonathan's message that day, as I recall, was that merely wanting something, wanting something to change or happen, doesn't actually bring many results. Wanting wishing, desiring a change in circumstances, in attitude, needs to be followed by action. And mostly, any resolve and action needs to be prayerfully and carefully entered into in order for us to be guided and strengthened by God and empowered by his Holy Spirit. At the beginning of every new year, many people make New Year's resolutions. You know the types of things, we hear it all the time, this year I'll get more exercise, this year I'll eat better, this year I won't eat McDonald's, this year I'll be more loving, this year, and you can fill in your own blanks. In essence, we're saying this year, I will change me. I will become a better person. And what is it that drives us to do that? Is it that some of us, and I'm speaking to the more mature among us at the moment, is it that some of us want to revisit the days of our youth when everything was slim and trim, when it seemed easier to make new beginnings, to wipe the slate clean, to have the resolved certainty that this year we would do whatever it was better than before. And of course that's not an easy road or course that we set ourselves. And those of us who are not flushed with the freshness of youth have run that course enough times to know the pitfalls and for most of us, the certainty of resolve that has dissolved. Sometimes our resolutions fall victim to commitment, timing, gifts and ability, or even the reality of gravity. <laughs> Whatever the reason the New Year's resolutions amount to nothing, Sorry, whatever the reason might be that the New Year's resolutions amount to nothing by the end of January or perhaps February at the latest if we really uh, stick at it, by that time they're gone and forgotten. 
However, the beginning of a new year always encourages us to refocus. The opening words of Psalm 29 Ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. Those words call us to attention, invite us to worship and stir us to imagine the glory and the strength of God. The psalmist affirms that we are to experience all of life and all of our days in the context of the sacredness of time. So as we gather worship this morning in this unique moment in history, we are called to refocus our attention towards God. This year, let's resolve to make a new beginning by opening our hearts and souls to the creator and redeemer of time and life, past and future. Let's resolve to live out that new beginning in creative openness to the movement of God's spirit. Let's resolve to worship God in the holy splendour of transformed and redeemed lives. Let's remember... As Gail said, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light and there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night and there was evening and there was morning the first day. And that really is all we need to know, don't we? Because we'll never know precisely the how or the what of creation. It's enough for us to know the why and which that opening Celebration of scripture affirms. An alternate translation suggests that the opening verse reads, in the beginning when God began to create. And that, I think, gives us a much more powerful image of what was really happening. It suggests that creation and recreation continue and that we are part of that exciting new beginning with every new day every new life and every new glimpse of hope and peace. The start of it all, when it all came together, there was God. The gift of creation was twofold, order and light. From the chaos, the void and the deep calm uh, and the deep came order and life. New beginnings always imply a new sense of order and direction for our living. Out of what might seem to be deep turmoil and confusion comes the hope of newness 
in God's graceful reordering and reshaping of our lives. At the same time, new beginnings throw fresh, bright, bright light on previous darkness and doubt. Suddenly, we see again and discover a whole new world and a whole new way of walking. The creator of all beginnings extends the ordering word to bring light to our lives in this new day, in this new year, and he does that to bring us his love in Jesus Christ. And yet people still ask, where is he? If we think about the Christmas story, the wise men ask. In his own way, King Herod asked. And while they know the location, the chief priests and the scribes are not sure. This could not be the time and the place, could it? The answer that they receive to that question, of course, surprises them. It surprised the world and it continues to surprise us because Jesus was not where anyone expected. He's not in a royal palace on a comfortable bed. He's not in designated holy places or sacred spaces. He was in Bethlehem, a small town. He was among shepherds and peasants and those on the margins. But he was there in the midst of life, even in its arrogance and pride, its self-contained answers and its suspicions and prejudices. He is there to shine the light of God's love among us all. And for that reason we can sing with Isaiah, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Lift up your eyes and look around. And the answer to the question, of course, guides us into this new year because he is among us still and it really is a new beginning. But what is a new beginning? Many people assume that a new beginning simply means a continuation of what was with a few minor tweaks and adjustments here and there, sort of like exercising without changing eating habits or vice versa and assuming that we will somehow become leaner and fitter, like making New Year's resolutions about priorities and involvements, and then assuming that they will happen with no discipline on our part. Now, I'm told that the 20th century began with great hopes, dreams and goals in a similar way to the 21st century, but despite the marvellous advances in technology and medicine and social science, the 20th century certainly drew to a close with a limp in the midst of a storm of confusion and despair. My hope and prayer is that the 21st century closes in a different way. But why did the 20th century close as it did? Because in spite of all the marvellous advances and us thinking how brilliantly we'd done. The underlying cause of confusion and despair 
was that people's hearts and attitudes really hadn't changed. But hope still exists for a new beginning through our God who sits enthroned over it all. And may each of us look for demonstrations, both great and small, of God's creative presence and power. When we observe God in the midst of life, we will glimpse new beginnings that offer strength, the blessing of peace, a bit like that uh, group of believers in Ephesus that Paul came across. Those believers knew of Jesus and have had in their own ways chosen to follow him, but they lacked the experience and the power of coming fully alive because of God's spirit moving among them. The story tells of believers who are content with limitations, content with less than a flourishing life. And as Paul opened the windows of their souls to the reality of the Holy Spirit, they suddenly catch fire. A Pentecost experience in another place and time. And for those believers, it was a new beginning. How often do we settle for less than full exposure to God's power? We content ourselves with where we are, what we know and what we've learned in the past. Sometimes we're better at quenching fires than encouraging their spread because we're afraid that something might happen. This story invites us into a new explosion of God's spirit which ignites a new beginning in ministry and service. A new beginning that leads us to share the good news of Christ Jesus both in spoken word and lived deeds. It inspires us to new depths of faith and new avenues of reaching out. Before we know it, Pentecost is happening all over again as it did at Ephesus. And if God keeps doing stuff like this, what will the world come to? So a new beginning for a new year. A new world, a new time, great new things stretch before us. None of us know what's ahead. But much, this much we do know. God is preparing the way already for those who will choose to follow some of us will get stuck in wondering about why Jesus went to the Jordan for his service of baptism. Others, scientists, mathematicians, philosophers and those with too much time on their hands will invest energy in questions that, while fascinating, totally miss the point. Who will listen for the voice of God in the midst of this world in the midst of the beat of the crowd's feet. Uh, feet, yeah, their feet. Mark doesn't tell us who heard the voice at Jesus' baptism. Was it only Jesus? But what Mark does remind us of is that after years of labouring in his hometown 
with the skills and artistry of his parents, Jesus is called by the wilderness voice, the voice of God. And when we hear these voices, for us it will be a new beginning too as we walk in new paths and into new experiences. Perhaps a new beginning will come for us outside the boundaries of the expected and the accepted, outside the boundaries of content and comfort. The one thing I'm sure about, it will be like an adventure in grace for those who know where the voice will take us. We only know that as we listen because the voice of God still invites us to new beginnings and new ministry. So have we already heard and started? Have all of us heard the voice and opened ourselves to the possibilities of new beginnings? I don't know about you, but towards the end of 2007, in this place, there was a buzz. There was a stirring. Things were bubbling. And if you missed that, listen harder. I believe that God is stirring us or was stirring us at the end of 2007 for great things in 2008. It's up to us not to quench the fire but to take some chances, take some risks. Perhaps be willing for something outside what we've ever experienced before to happen. But this I do know. When we hear God's voice, we have to follow. So what are you going to do in 2008? Stay in your little box or bust out the sides and follow God? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, creator of life and Lord of time, as we stand at the beginning of this new year, we pray that we may stand with you. You have always been there, going before us to prepare the way, standing behind us, urging us on toward new hopes and a new creation, being with us in the company of your people and the life of your spirit. You have always been there, Lord, calling us again and again to follow you. Help us today to see this moment of new year as you see it. Help us to walk quietly and thankfully away from the old year. We thank you for its joys and achievements and all the days of growth and love. We thank you too for strength given amid suffering and hope arising out of fear. We are sorry for our mistakes, for the wrong we could have avoided, the hurt we have caused. We confess our pride our greed and our failure to love. Lord, grant us, we pray, your judgment of mercy, your forgiving grace, 
even as we forgive one another. Let us know your healing power that we may again be ourselves. O Lord, help us today to see this moment of new year as you see it. Help us to walk quietly and firmly towards its opportunities and demands. We dare to believe that this is a new day and not a repeat of the year now gone. Your grace gives us courage. Your peace gives us hope. Your presence is the promise of new life. In Christ, we can make a new beginning. In your spirit, we can be a new creation. Lord, we are willing to go with you to live the good news of forgiveness in freedom and joy, to share the gospel of justice and peace with courage and hope, to pray with hope and share in faith so that all people everywhere may know your name sing your praise and share in the joy of your kingdom in eternal new year. Lord, we pray this prayer in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and our Saviour. Amen.